Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. There's an ancient proverb that says, The enemy of my enemy is my friend. When two factions oppose a mutual threat, they can join forces to defeat them. Just before the start of World War II, Finland had two enemies, Germany and the Soviet Union. And because of one side's aggressive tactics, it had to make a very unfortunate friend of the other. You see, Germany and the Russians had divvied up Finland, Latvia, Estonia, and several other Baltic states as part of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. The Soviets invaded Poland in mid-September, then tried to negotiate a portion of Finnish territory for their own uses. For one, they wanted to install a military base on Finnish soil, just as they had done with several other Baltic states. But Finland wouldn't have it. So a second conflict, known as the Winter War, kicked off between the two parties. It resulted in many casualties and the eventual signing of the Moscow Peace Treaty, which gave the Soviet Union one-tenth of Finland for themselves. We look back at the Soviets as allies who helped us defeat the Nazis. But after the Moscow Peace Treaty was signed, many countries saw them as a bully. And Finland had no interest in aligning themselves with Germany, as they were still seen as being associated with the Soviet Union. After reaching out to the United Kingdom for help but getting a refusal, they realized that they had to solve the problem on their own. The Soviets continued to push into Finland, and so did Hitler. With nowhere else to turn and Hitler's rejection of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, the Finnish were forced to partner with them against the Russians. In 1941, Finland, now backed by Germany, was able to reclaim the land that it lost to the Soviets, including the city of Vyborg. It was a great story, but even though the Soviets no longer occupied the territory, they weren't completely gone. You see, on their way out, the Red Army had left behind 1,000 landmines. And those mines started exploding all over the city. It was believed that they were on a time delay. But toward the end of August of 1941, Finnish forces soon discovered the truth. Under one of the town's bridges, a mine had been deposited, packed with 600 kilograms of an explosive charge. Attached to the charge was a small device, which was taken to an engineer at the communications department. And that engineer took it apart and found something amazing a small radio receiver inside. The mines had been designed to go off when their internal radios received a remote signal at the right frequency. When that signal was received, boom. And worse yet, similar receivers were found on all the mines around Vyberg. After some more digging, Finnish engineers found out that the signal was close to the AM frequency used by public radio broadcasts. So they came up with a bizarre scheme to block that signal. A polka. 
specifically the Sakiyarvi polka, which was looped for 24 hours a day by the Finnish public radio. As long as the song was playing, the Soviets couldn't set off their minds. Of course, it didn't take long for the Soviets to figure out their plan, so they changed the signal to match one of the other two radio frequencies used by the receivers. Well, the Finns figured that out too, and jammed every possible frequency with their polka. All day and all night, the fast-paced tune played out over the radio waves. Three months later, only a dozen mines had gone off out of the thousands the Russians had planted, a long enough delay for their batteries to have run out and the threat of remote detonation to no longer be a concern. The Soviets would eventually return and take back their territory from the Germans who occupied it, helping the Allies win the war in the process. But the Sakiyarvi Polka became a major hit in Finland and an unofficial anthem at the end of the war. Today it stands as a fun reminder that, for a short time at least, Finland bested one of the biggest powers in the world, with nothing more than a little ingenuity and a whole lot of polka. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Few industries have seen as much innovation over the years as that of the auto industry. From steam engines and the electric starter to cruise control and intermittent wipers, cars have never been strangers to leaps in technological advancement. Aside from alternative fuel sources, one area of immense change has been in the materials used to make car bodies. The earliest models were, unsurprisingly, comprised of wood. After all, wood had been used to make chariots, carts, wagons, and carriages for centuries. 
it only made sense to build the first automobiles out of wood as well. The Model T added aluminum panels to the equation, which improved strength and rigidity, while the 1950s saw the advent of fiber-reinforced plastic, or FRP. This new material was made from a polyester resin by companies like Chevrolet for their Corvette. But back in the 1940s, one automaker tried to revolutionize the fabrication of his car's body panels, and he didn't turn to metal or fiberglass. He looked to the farm. That's where Henry Ford grew up, on a farm in Michigan, and he hated it. But no matter how far away he got from that farm, he never forgot about his experiences there. They stayed with him, even as he developed his first automobile, his factory, and his eventual empire. Perhaps inspired by his time in the fields, he developed a fascination with pushing the limits of agriculture, so much so that he cultivated a friendship with the inventor who came up with over 300 uses for the common peanut, George Washington Carver. Carver was heading the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama at the time, but traveled to Michigan to assist Ford with his next big breakthrough in automotive technology, soybeans. Ford saw the soybean as an alternative to other materials being used to make car parts, to demonstrate his seriousness at the prospect, he built a factory dedicated to his next big thing, the soybean car. Of course, the car itself wouldn't be made from pure soybeans. The beans would be used as the basis for a new kind of plastic. Ford believed a plastic car was safer than those made of steel. If it rolled over in an accident, it wouldn't get crushed. And using plastic would free up metal for tanks and planes during wartime. Henry Ford had planted the seeds for the next automobile, and he put designer Eugene Gregory in charge of nurturing the soil, so to speak. The soybean's car frame was made of tubular steel, upon which sat 14 plastic body panels that were easily assembled. The windows were made of acrylic, and even with a V8 engine inside, the vehicle was surprisingly light, less than 2,000 pounds. Ford allegedly tested the soybean's plastic resilience by whacking it with an axe, According to a video of the demonstration, he couldn't make a dent. The prototype made its debut at the 1941 Dearborn Days Festival, followed by an exhibition at the Michigan State Fair the next year. Unfortunately, Ford's grand plan for the future of the car was ill-timed. World War II put a stop to all car manufacturing in the U.S., and Ford himself was already in poor health. He handed control of the company to his grandson in 1945. After the war, no one had any interest in making the plastic car anymore. Ford had poured millions into the project, and the result had been mixed. In fact, his engineer, who hadn't been a fan of the soybean car in the first place, was responsible for destroying the only prototype. No formula for the plastic exists today. However, Ford wasn't the only car maker with the bright idea to make one out of plastic. General Motors had tried their luck with a plastic automobile just a few years earlier, at the New York World's Fair of 1939, GM debuted two models of their own, but rather than use plastic made from soybeans, they turned to a clear acrylic, plexiglass. What they unveiled was a four-door touring sedan with see-through panels, allowing pedestrians and other drivers to gaze at the inner workings of the car as it drove by. The steel frame, the brackets and rivets, even the spare tire were all clearly visible giving outsiders the sense that they had X-ray vision, like Superman. And just like Ford's soybean car, GM's ghost cars were never put into production. They were primarily designed as display pieces to show off the benefits of plexiglass. Plastic cars have popped up every now and then over the years, 
but steel continues to be the material of choice for today's automobiles. It's a fantastic idea, though, but one that seems to have never succeeded in taking root. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.